0: You're listening to Just, stories about the people working to build thriving communities rooted in justice. I'm Jess Averhart, co-founder of Black Wall Street Homecoming.
1: And I'm Rob Shields, executive director of the ReCity Network.
0: All right, look, so here's why we're here. We're here to get proximate. We're here to listen. We're here to process. And we're here to help you process.
1: But here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to be preachy. Because we don't have all the answers And we will never make you feel like an outsider
0: Keeping with the theme of sharing We always want to acknowledge the whole person And that starts with our Personal
1: Personal check-in Let's do it
0: Hey Rob, it's good to see you Wow For for our listeners, we actually see each other Yeah, for people who follow the the YouTube
1: channel, right? Yeah That's right A little plug for watching us on video We can see each other
0: We can see each other And you can see us
1: That's right That's right (laughs)
0: excited (laughs) to be back.
1: It's been a little while. We took a little break, which is going to be a theme for this episode. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves.
0: I know it was a refreshing though. Got to have those times of refreshing, but we'll get there in this conversation. But yes, we did. We took our own upcoming advice.
1: I heard the term pod exhausted, which doesn't feel like it really works, but I'm just going to use it here because I I mean, that's a real thing. People can get exhausted in everything. And hey, doing a podcast is no exception. It can be tiring work.
0: So you can just put exhausted at the end of everything, like zoom exhausted you, or.
1: If you can do it for pod exhausted, you can do it for anything because that one doesn't sound like it flows together. Pretty much. That's yeah. what
0: I wanted. That's basically was my point. <laughs> <laughs> like, zoom exhausted. Hey, I said I know, heard like, it. Carpool, I, didn't come, I didn't come up exhausted.
1: with it. So you can critique it. It's not hurting my feelings. I'm, I'm borrowing it from someone else so we can make fun of it. I didn't want our listeners to know. Together, this yes. wasn't my idea.
0: That was not Rob's Thank word. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Got it, friend. Got it. Oh, well, we're how, back.
1: Catch us up on, on how, how you've been. Tell us how, uh, how's been the summer, the start of yeah. fall, all the things. You pick your season. Yeah, I'll just that,
0: stay in this. Yeah. See, summer was good. I, you know, it was, I didn't do much outside. I, so I didn't do the summer things that I'm accustomed to, which is like beach and all it that was hot. good stuff. I think a lot of it people was, didn't
1: do the summer things. It was things. real hot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And my hair, you know, has is, is only has so much tolerance and I didn't get it braided. So, you know, I was <laughs> mostly my hair dictated how just much. Just rub time it in. I'm, just oh, rub exactly. it in for those it's of us who less. have
1: less, you know, that's less hair. Yeah. Well,
0: and I put it, it was curly. So it was even more of a thing. Trey's in school. He's doing great. There's lots of stories to tell there for a different time. Maybe I'll spread them out over the next back half of the season, but lots of Trey stories already. And most relevant, I, you know, as recently as yesterday, had a great event with women from across the state Mm. of North Carolina around the topic of today, which is rest, Mm. refreshing, living a life of abundance and fulfillment. And that you're worthy of that, and that you're worthy of space and giving yourself breathing room so that you can be and live in the best possible sort of scenario and environment for for not just yourself but for those that you serve, those that you lead, your family and 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 on and so that was amazing and I'll give a quick shout out to the women at Blue Cross Blue Shield because those were the folks that I was with and they were incredible and they gave me just as much as I hope they they gained from our time together. So it was good. So busy, professionally busy running family is great and I'm really glad the fall is here mm. because it's my favorite season and I even ordered okay, here's a good one. I ordered my Christmas tree. What had to order my Christmas tree because there's a shortage. and you're on top of it. Right? And they won't guarantee that I'll get one.
1: This is breaking so, news. Do we just break news that there's news. a Christmas tree I think shortage? Because so.
0: shortage. I yes. If you need a live news, tree, yes. Yeah, if you want a live it. tree, you got to go ahead and get your tree ordered. And I get eleven foot tree. So part of it is that I get like the unicorns of all trees, right? 11, 12 foot tree. But yeah, but trees in general are on a shortage. So you may want to go ahead to your
1: local nursery and order. Wow. This is really, this is <laughs> not the the way I thought you would answer this question, but it actually, when you say you have an 11 foot tree, it makes me think, you know, being as tall as I am, you know, six foot eight, I'm always the designated tree decorator that for part. the tall branches. You know, I've had family friends literally bring me over to their house when they're decorating their tree so I can help them decorate the, the tall parts. I'm like, the tall trees. you could just get a ladder, but I'll do what I can. It's
0: more fun to have you.
1: It, it is. Yeah, can, it'd I be can. way more
0: fun. I'd be like, come on over. Except that I have a six foot five son. So I kind of have a similar opportunity to
1: exploit him <laughs> at don't these need, moments. You need a ladder. You got Trey. That's right.
0: <laughs> I got Trey. Yeah. So tell me, friend, you have a little more news going on because we're now in school season. And we are. Your house
1: is... We were joking about this offline, right? Because just before I had, we were recording this, dropped my fourth, my youngest son, Peter, off to preschool. He just started last week and man that's a change from the last 18 months of the pandemic you know virtual school four kids eight and under you know just figuring out my wife and i both full-time jobs like how how to make all that work i'm not so on top of the game that i'm ordering my christmas tree so (laughs) you kind of threw me under the bus a little bit i was gonna brag a little bit i'm just kind of excited to be able to hear the thoughts inside my own head like that that's where i'm at (laughs) So I'm I think not. That's
0: a good place. I,
1: I think it's a healthy place, and it just it's you know, okay. The noise level for me has gone down dramatically. The decibels and the rhythms of the fall season mm-hmm. are starting to feel like you can get your head above water a little bit. And yeah, you know something. Glad the line of demarcation of like sending that last kid, even though it's not kindergarten, it's, it's still some version of school. Like, that's a big deal, and that's a you big know, deal. it's Congrats. a big deal. Congrats. Rite of passage. He calls he his theme of his preschool class is the bears so this is, I don't know if this is a little boy thing or just a, a three-year-old thing, but when we, he got home his first week of school and we're like, Hey, what's your, tell us what your teacher's name is. I mean, we know what it is, but we're like wanting him to like tell him about his day. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's uh, she's the bear. And I'm like, no, <laughs> So he's, in his mind, because he goes to bear class, bear like his teacher is uh, the bear. Miss
0: Bear. The bear. She's, we're the, she's we're the, the little bear. cubs. Yeah. <laughs> she's the bear. So he's,
1: he's taking things really wow. literally these days, but I, you got to love three-year-olds. I think
0: that's a three-year-old. I think that's a three-year-old. I love literal kids. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Love yeah. it. But I'm excited about our conversation today, Jess. We've already hinted at it. We've got a, a good friend of the podcast, someone that you and I know and love and have been following for, for a while now, but this conversation, especially when I mean, we joked about kind of being pod exhausted. it's the last time I'm going to say that thanks, on this, thanks, this call. Thanks. But literally, like, I, I think that this role and relationship with rest is something that we've all grappled with in, in some way, shape or form. And I think we've got the right guest to have that conversation at the right time. Because if, if you're anything like us, Jess and I have talked about this online, offline, like the pandemic has caught up to us. If you mm-hmm. thought this was just going to be a sprint, It's now turned into a marathon. Like, it has really forced us to reckon with our relationship to rest. And how that relates to justice, this is just going to be an action-packed, really meaty conversation. And so we have none other than our good friend, Steve Swain, who's going to be joining us for today's call. I'm going to welcome Steve on to the podcast. Steve, can you hear us okay? Yeah, good morning, Rob. Um, Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you, brother. Thank you. So, Steve, for those of you guys who don't know... I can't even do this bio in one breath. So you might hear me inhale halfway through because Steve's got a lot going on, which I think means he's someone that knows the challenges of fighting for rest. And so I just want to give you guys a little bit of background for our listeners who may not be as familiar with Steve's work and his career. But he's currently the director of the St. Francis Springs Prayer Center, a role that he started in October, 2019, which is our prayer center based and retreat center in north of Greensboro, North Carolina. For those of you guys who are Tar Heel natives, Over the course of Steve's life, he's traversed the nonprofit sectors, the for-profit sectors. He currently owns three businesses, a social media marketing company, landscaping company, construction cleaning company. He was the director of Step Up Ministry, which those of you guys remember, Step Up has made a guest appearance multiple times on the podcast. Elizabeth Butler, Sherita Hill. These have been people that have just been doing incredible work here in North Carolina, specifically in Durham. Steve was head of that for nine years. Over the course of that time, grew it from a $300,000 nonprofit in one city to a $4 million nonprofit in four cities. And if that wasn't enough, he's dabbled in being a marketing community relations director for two NBA teams. We're gonna to need to know who those teams were and it? how good yes, they were. We it was in yes. the mid nineties. So, I mean, there was a lot of, those are the good years of the NBA right there. So maybe For a
0: generation, some, right? That's a total generational judgment. It, just it's in the true. 90s. For it's Robin true. If like you were
1: born in the 90s, then you don't remember those years. But if you were a millennial in the 90s, you remember that there was some, we could do some reminiscing right there. And Steve lives in Raleigh with his wife, Laura, and their four kids. And he's just overall just an amazing person. You know, the whole reason we started this podcast was to try to bottle up some thought leadership that typically just happens in in-person events, you know, pre-pandemic and just really grateful to have this conversation with you, Steve. Welcome on to the podcast, friend. Thank you. It's great to be here. I just want to frame up with a couple of statistics that I found recently. I'm an avid podcast listener, and so I stumbled upon these. I want to give, give a shout out to the Carrie the Newhoff podcast. It's a leadership podcast that talked about a Deloitte study over the summer around our relationship to rest, specifically the leaders and their relationship to rest. And so I'm going to frame up this first question just with some of the stats that really raised to the top that were mentioned in this podcast. But the fact that 82% of executives and CEOs that were surveyed reported that they leave the office every day physically and mentally exhausted, 82%. 59% can't focus. 49%, half of the the leaders say they can't sleep. The burnout rates are through the roof. And this Mm -hmm. was... In the nonprofit sector alone, they were through the roof pre-pandemic. It was every three years, people are planning their exit because they just can't, they can't take it anymore. You have to imagine what the pandemic has done laying on top all those stressors that have exacerbated themselves. Mm -hmm. So, Steve, let's just dive straight into this conversation. The pandemic has left so many people feeling beaten down, weary, worn out. But in many ways, so many people were already running at an unsustainable pace beforehand. Maybe it's just kind of raised our consciousness and our awareness of how unsustainable life was and kind of pushed us over the edge a little bit into forcing some rest, maybe forcing some self-reflection. And it caused a lot of people to be at this pivotal moment where they're maybe even thinking about a change in trajectory. What do I want to do the rest of my life? Because I can't do this anymore. So let's just, let's throw it on the whiteboard and, and just rethink everything. So my question for you is putting your retreat center hat on as the executive director of the retreat center. I'd be fascinated to hear what's your take on all this, because I feel like you've got your finger on the pulse of people who are seeking you out, knowing that they need rest. How has the pandemic impacted
2: our relationship with rest? First of all, I would say that when you think about our culture as a whole, we train people over life. America is just a do, do, do culture and it doesn't matter who you are, it's just ingrained in us that we're to do. And rest really has nothing to do with doing. It has everything to do with being. So it's almost the reverse of what you've been trained. And yet, when we're honest about it, right? Like, let's just be honest about ourselves. In fact, I did this study of myself uh, a few years ago. I got out a note card and I wrote down the number of times I thought about myself in a day And the number of times I thought about others in a day. Mm -hmm. And I kept a score, a little scorecard. And I got tired when I got to 100 because it was 88 times about me and 12 times about someone else. And if we're honest about ourselves, we are all just selfish, right? So we're consumed with self. And what I have seen about what the pandemic did to people and, and what I've seen at the center is that people are being forced to rest when rest should have always been natural. It always should have been part of the DNA of each of our lives, but we don't, we've never been mentored this way. We're not disciplined this way. And so we come to the pandemic and it's a forced rest. We're forced to be in a home. We're forced to wear a mask. We're forced to do these things that we just, it's so unnatural. And what I've observed is it's just created all sorts of mental unhealth and just physical unhealth and emotional unhealth. And because we just have trained ourselves to not appreciate rest. Does, does that make sense to both of you?
0: Hmm. Yes. Yeah. I. You know, we talk about practice, right? We're, we're not skilled. We practice at things we want to get better at good at, skilled at it. We're just not This isn't something that
2: is natural to us. We don't practice it. I mean, Jess, has anyone ever said to you, I am skilled. I am practicing the value of rest. Nope. No. It's like asking a man, do you practice the skill of kindness? You ever hear a man say, I'm practicing the skill of kindness. It's just, just, it's not. No, (laughs) right. It's not part of the culture we've been trained in. Now, that's not the way it should be, but. That's just been my, my experience the last two years of watching people come into the center.
0: Well, I love that. And I, that's pretty clear, direct into the point, like it's just not our Western cultural norm. And I love that you are said, let's just be honest about it. Because once you can start there, then you can apply good things to it and make changes and habits to adjust. But if you don't acknowledge the truth of it, it's going to be a hard road. And
2: in that, right, like when you think about that example of just counting the number of times I thought about myself, how in the world are you going to like care for the needs of others Mm. if you are so consumed in your own self?
0: Mm. Excellent point. It's a good practical, at the end of this, we do a what should we do? It's a good practical exercise Mm. for our listeners. So this is an interesting topic for the Just Podcast because... It doesn't, this is so interesting because you just said it, it doesn't naturally seem to fit Mm -hmm. rest, reflection, and its role in justice. It's do, 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 go, 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 change, change, change your community. And this topic is saying there is a role that rest and reflection plays in our lives. And so since we have you on as our sort of content expert today to talk about that and give even Rob and I some guidance. How do you see that specifically intersecting with the role of justice? What role does rest and reflection play in your work and how does it impact the work of justice?
2: Yeah, so there's a multitude of thoughts I have on this. The first is, and I'm I'm just gonna kind of go through this real quick, I'd say probably four or five years ago as I was reading different things about Martin Luther King, you can't get too far into Martin Luther King without realizing that he carried along Howard Thurman's book, Jesus and the Disinherited. Hmm. And if you dive into that book and start to recognize what's going on in that book, you realize that Howard deeply understood the value of rest and justice, that there's this kind of intersection of contemplation and justice. And so, that got me to go okay, well, if Howard's thinking about this, and Martin Luther King was doing it, then what was Jesus doing about it? And there are six unbelievable examples of what he did in the course of his life that I want to just kind of cite for everyone. Hmm. The first is to prepare for a major task. So he was quiet before he went out in the wilderness for 40 days. So he used silence and rest to prepare for a major task. The second thing is he recharged. There's an example in in the gospel where Jesus sent out his 12 disciples. When they got back, he told them to go rest. The third is to work through grief. You know, after Jesus learned that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he went away by himself. The fourth is before a really important decision, People don't often equate this, but before he picked his 12 disciples, the whole night before, he went alone and talked to God. Hmm. And then the next day, he went after the twelve. Fifth, in times of distress, right before he's arrested, he's at the Mount of Olives praying and he's quiet. And then the last thing is just over and over again, he focused on solitude because he got up in the morning and had that time where he was quiet. I just cited six examples in which, when you think about it from a justice perspective, when we're trying to make the world a more just place, preparing for a major task, boy, there's, there's a lot of injustice in the world right now. Hmm. There's a lot of injustice in America. We're trying to tackle massive issues that have existed for 400 years. And how do we tackle major tasks without first resting? To work through grief, if you spend any time in justice-related work, anytime, you are going to grieve and you're going to grieve hard Mm -hmm. because they're just example after example after example where somebody's been hurt, oppressed, killed, the list goes on and on, right? And so grieving is a huge part of justice work. And then if you are deeply engaged in justice work, as we know, there's just distress everywhere. Like it's everywhere. And so I just feel like it's been modeled for us and yet we don't often equate justice and rest in the same breath, but I firmly believe they just roll hand in hand.
1: Yeah, I, that I think that's I think that's really powerful and like you said shouldn't be counterintuitive because it is it's really what we're wired for but culturally it's not what we value and it's definitely not okay to brag about hey I'm working on being a better at rest because it's almost like there's an assumption that you're being lazy and when right. you look at justice work I would say that that space itself if you care about it there's even maybe even just as much pressure if not more so To not be seen as someone who is, you got to just go, the the needs are too great. And when you use examples like that, you know, as a, as a Christian, when I'm striving to model my life after the life of Christ, like three years of ministry on earth, the amount of time he rested in that time, when I juxtapose my calendar compared to his and how much I would have been too busy in my mind. I got to keep going, going, going. And yet he valued it and at such a premium with such an, a few years to do yeah. what he was, which, I, which you know, is, if you're a Christian, the greatest yeah. job description in the whole history of the world, how much of that time did he spend in rest and reflection?
2: Yeah. Regardless of what you think about Jesus, just at a basic level, he was a good person. Even if you don't believe that he's the son of God, right? Like, okay. So in that, if you still look at the principles of what he just did on a day in, day out basis, preparing for a major task recharging, working through grief, important decisions, distress, and daily time of quiet. Mm. It doesn't matter what institution you're rolling through, whether it's work, church, nonprofit, you name it. Have you heard this six before ever? Mm. Like stressed as a priority? No, mm. no, we don't No, These are not priorities. In any space that we're in. Mm-hmm. And so I see that every day because I, when I'm at the center, I, I'm boy, I just see it. People are rolling in and it is. You can just see it on their faces. You mm-hmm. see it.
1: Tell us more about, that's a great transition. Talk about the folks who come to the center. Give us a snapshot in the day. Like, not that this interview can replace the experience, but give people just an example. What the people that come in and you, you see them limping in physically, mentally, spiritually. Tell us about the work, how the center comes alongside of people and what you see as the biggest impact when they leave
2: on the people that you're serving. I would say we try every day to do four things really well to prepare people to just get at themselves. And the reason why I say get at themselves is Oftentimes, right, like if we go back to the original premise that we're selfish, when you are coming to any place, it doesn't matter whether it's a hotel, your own house, when you're coming to a place, you're typically looking at all the things that aren't going well. You just are. We've like been wired to go, oh, the food wasn't very good, or the flowers don't look cared for, or are there are weeds in the grass. It's just amazing how we look for the negative in everything. And so all I've said at the center is, we're gonna do four things really well. You're gonna be hard pressed to ever hear us say no. We're gonna be incredibly hospitable. We're gonna serve great food. Your room is gonna be incredibly clean. In fact, the whole center is gonna be incredibly clean, cleaner than your own house by far, but cleaner than hotels. And then the fourth thing is, we're gonna create beautiful grounds for you to just walk around and be in nature. If you do those four things, From my perspective, you just take away all the excuses. Like the excuses just disappear, and the person is just forced to deal with whatever is just rolling in and out of their emotional, intellectual, and physical bodies. And it's clockwork, clockwork. And I don't have to ask anybody, you see it on their face. They come in, you see crinkles, you see just stress, you see hurriedness. There's just all these things. And they leave and it's like, oh. When can I come back? That's the gift of the place.
0: I'll jump in here. This is a little off script, but I was transported back to my time when I was at the retreat center. So far, I guess I've been there was several years ago. And that was sort of a life changing revelation, a personal life changing scenario that I was trying to work through and had the opportunity to attend the center. It was very transformative. And you're right, you do walk in with this, you just said all the things, all the things, which is a phrase that I use a lot, (laughs) all the things. And then you park your car and you realize that you're just not in Kansas anymore. It is a totally different environment as soon as you get out of your car. It's quiet, you hear nature immediately, and you're just kind of moving through the energy that is there that is greeting you so you kind of move through the space it is beautiful the grounds by far were my absolute the memory that i have the most is being able to walk and move in the woods and in the trails and over the bridge and just the things that were the discovery in the in the wilderness it's not wilderness but the the trees the grounds the chapel just incredible And so you're right. I think you take somebody, you pluck people out of their day today and you place them at the retreat center. The way that you have it set up, the methodology of removing the barriers that we innately put in front of us just because that's what we do. You remove those and people are forced to deal with themselves. And that is exactly what my experience was. And it's why I was able to have a transformative moment in an important time of my life And, you know, I give all the credit to the team and the staff there. And so I really Mm -hmm. sort of just want to give you a a personal shout out from my own experience.
2: And when you think about that, what you just described, and again, I I ask myself this question all the time, is why can't we do that in our own home? Mm -hmm. Why can't we create what you just described inside our own home every day? And again, it, it goes back to how we've been formed, the normative culture, and so... As I'm trying to just unpack my own life, I've just realized that I'm going to just try to do things different. Like it's just going to be, if you say, A, I'm going to try to do B. And so it's, you you try to get out of this cycle of being consumed by a culture that just is go, go, go. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually at some point, everybody kind of hits that breaking point where they're climbing up ladders and climbing up ladders and the ladders are shifting on the walls and they're going in different places. And you eventually go, now, why am I climbing up this ladder? Mm-hmm. And where and am, am I tra-
0: really going? <laughs> right. Where, where am the I going? And We're building another this ladder, ladder
2: leaned against Yeah. And then yeah. you get on another ladder and you're like, what am I doing? This is crazy. Yeah. And some people never get to that. Some people just keep trying to climb up ladders and climb up ladders and climb up ladders. But it's just exhausting and empty.
0: Well, let's circle back to your sort of commitment at the center around justice is it's a core mm-hmm. value and I'm real big on core values. They talk about it a lot, that these are these mm-hmm. movable moments. These values help you make decisions, your core values inform your decisions. Mm-hmm. And so you have created an environment within the center and with your team that justice is a core value. Mm-hmm. Uh, you even have an equity scorecard so mm-hmm. that you can measure your progress on that. That is unique. And I'm curious why, how did you get there? Like what's your own personal story? You could have picked, there's a lot of values out there, Steve, justice is a core value, help me, help me get there. And I assume you have something attached that's a personal journey for you.
2: Oh, no question. I, I don't believe that you can really firmly start to understand the depth of the injustice in the world without first suffering deeply. We've created a culture where people are striving for comfort And so ultimately that somehow has to be disrupted because why would you change? You know, when you think about the dynamics of slavery and you think about the dynamics of that economic institution, because slavery really, let's just be honest, was an economic setup and it was simplified through color. So when you think about that, all it was doing was trying to get one body of people to get ahead at the expense of another body of people. Mm-hmm. So that, that's our whole, like, I'm not saying that's not true, that, that's like our whole setup, our whole frame of 400 years is, there are gonna be people on top and they're gonna be people at the bottom. Well, that doesn't sound real just. That sounds counterintuitive to, you know, when I just read the six items that Jesus was kind of up to, it doesn't sound real kingdom focus. It sounds very hierarchical. And what we've realized is that because you've got this dynamic in play, for my own life, it really shifted when I took a racial equity class probably 10 years ago. And it it really helped me to understand the dynamics of benefit that were in play for me historically, that I, you know, again, I worked hard, I benefited from these things, but not everybody got that same benefit. And how do we change that? Well, I, I think in any situation that any person ends up in, they ought to try to do things to tweak the way people see life. So, through the help of some consultants actually in Durham, we created a racial equity scorecard, very similar to a health and sanitation score. So, when you walk into the center, you see a health and sanitation score of, you know, right now we have been blessed to get 100. Right below that, we are gonna put a racial equity score. Now that score is not gonna be very high. It's gonna be 20, maybe 25, and that's okay. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. What I'm trying to do is to create this question. What is that? Because most people in white America aren't gonna have any idea what a racial equity scorecard is. They're not, it's not common language. Now, a person of color is going to walk in and go, ooh, hey, tell me more about this. Yes, yeah,
0: what's that measured against? Give me
2: the quality. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, how did you do this? Did you, right. Steve, did you do this? Oh, no, I didn't do this. This was created by consultants, people of color. But what it's going to do is it's going to force conversations where white people are going to say, hey, what is that? Why do you have that? Why is that important? Why is that right next to a health and sanitation score? Then I'll say, oh, I'm, I'm so glad that you've, you've asked. Let me show you this score. This is what we're trying to become, to be a more just center, a more just society, a more just and compassionate entity. And it, to me, it always goes back to, I'm, I'm going to read this to us because I think it's really critical. Henry Nowen wrote a book called Compassion. I think it is just so critical to the very essence of justice. And it says this. Compassion asks us to go where it hurts, to enter into the places of pain, to share in that brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Compassion challenges us to cry out with those in misery to mourn, with those who are lonely, to weep with those in tears. Compassion requires us to be weak with the weak, vulnerable with the vulnerable, and powerless with the powerless. Compassion means full immersion in the condition of being human. And if I'm going to be fully immersed in the condition of being human, I don't know where else to do it but in America's original sin. Where else you're going to find 400 years where a whole body of people, both black and brown, have been taken advantage of? To me, the center just seems like a really natural place for people to come white, black, and brown, to understand, and to actually be in relationship with each other.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I love that's That's really powerful, Steve. I think a couple things, especially around that, how you've named that equity and an equity scorecard. One, I love that your main takeaway is that you just want people to ask why it's there. I think that's really powerful in that your goal is the conversations that it starts. Correct. I also love that you're not waiting to get to a number that's high enough to be respectable. Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to get it. Once, once it's in the nineties, we'll post it. No, I'll, I'll post it. Whatever the truth is. You know, if it's at 20, the goal is not to make us look good. It's to start conversations. Correct. And I think that's a really, that's really refreshing because I really feel like a lot of folks when it comes to this term that has really become much more normative now than it was several years ago in, in equity and in the cultural conversation, I still feel like it's pretty buttoned up. Oftentimes, especially mm-hmm. in, in the business settings, where it's like you—if you're going to wait in those waters, it's because there's cultural pressure to do so. But if you're going to do it, you're not going to really admit weakness. You're never going right. to give yourself a score of a twenty. You're going right. to—you're going to wade in those waters to pat yourself on the back in what you're doing because you're not really trying to pursue it. You're really trying to get credit for the pursuit and look good doing it. Which I think it, it just feels so different the, one, the way you describe it. So, as we land the plane here, Steve. I'd love to give our listeners, you're not describing a quick checklist of things to just go do today. You're talking about a way of life. You're talking about literally becoming more human Mm -hmm. across the long haul. That's right. So you may answer this question very differently than some of other guests who talk about other issues, but we love landing the plane with just kind of just one thing that people can do to show up and take a practical step towards a healthier relationship to rest. If you had to think about and narrow it down to one step, they could take. Towards becoming more human, in this category, in this in
2: around this issue, what would it be? When you think about your own life, if you showed me your calendar and your pocketbook, I could tell you who you are, right? Mm-hmm. So you think about that, you mm-hmm. know, like that's pretty. Ooh, I'm not going to show anybody my calendar and my pocketbook, Ugh. right? <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> that gets a little, right? Like that becomes a little uncomfortable. But when you think about Life, it always comes down to priorities. Yes. And so what hmm. becomes priority yeah. really starts to define who you are. And I would just say it doesn't matter if you do it in the morning, the midday, the evening, but there is a beautiful rhythm to rest. Because what rest does is it, it not only just helps us deal with our own junk, but then we start to realize, like, golly, like, what am I doing? I'm so, like, wow. Ah. Like, I got to go help somebody else. Like, this is crazy. Like, why am I so consumed with self? And in rest, you start that ability to get outside of yourself. And so wherever you're at, take 30 minutes a day and just stop. Hmm. And whether it's a good book or you're going to sit in silence and whatever comes to mind, you're going to kind of wrestle with that. I heard this great quote from Tim Cook, who runs Apple, that he wakes up every morning at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. And from four to seven is his time He chooses it how he wants But it's his time Nobody's bugging him Nobody's going at him Nobody's He is able to do the things that he needs To prepare for the day And all of the things that are coming at him And I, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of wisdom to that, right? And I guarantee you in there If I was asking Tim Cook If some of that time included Resting for himself The answer would be yes
1: Yeah, More valuable rest than sleep
2: Right. correct
0: i love that and tim I obviously reflecting on tim cook because during that time he does not negotiate his fitness hmm. wellness just making sure he's getting his time in the gym or whatever and i read somewhere he actually goes to a gym now this is the ceo of apple he should have a full gym in his house but i reread it several times he re- leaves and goes to the gym and and the reason that struck me was just, I'm thinking he makes a choice to do that. So he's physically leaving his home. Mm -hmm. He might, I don't know if he's walking, running or getting in the car, but either way he's thinking on the way there and on the way back, like he's building in time for himself. That Mm -hmm. is very intentional because he could make that extremely easy for himself. He's not, and he Mm -hmm. doesn't compromise. It's every day. Yeah. I love.
2: I'll Um, say this to end, and this might sound strange to people, but that's Okay. A lot of times I find rest in cleaning. So like when I'm at the center, I'll go clean 10 bathrooms because there's this rhythm of just like doing something over and over again. That's not hard, it's simple. You're just in details rest doesn't mean you have to shut down idle Yeah, it doesn't mean idle. you're just doing something that's rhythmic that's forcing you in silence to think about things pray for people be in space where there's this rhythm happening and there's nothing else going around outside of it and so i have found some of my best resting times are just in cleaning toilets Hmm. and it's just a real gift
1: if you're wondering whether you're climbing the right ladder just take 30 minutes and go clean the toilet. Clean the toilet. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> there it is. That is the
0: summary for I, today.
1: That's what I'm walking away. That's a, a sticky really metaphor right there. Yeah. I, I don't mean that. In, <laughs> Steve, thank you so much. This is something that I'm going to go back and listen to over and over. I feel like I, I need to create a rhythm of returning to this conversation because we need wow. reminders. We need people like you who are thinking deeply on these things and yet also acting practically and pursuing these things actively. So thank you for, for this conversation. Thank you for the gift it is to our listeners. And we're just, we're grateful for the work that you're doing and that you're practicing what you're preaching.
2: Yeah. Thank you. It's awesome. it great, to, great you. to be with both of you.
0: You as well. Thank you, Steve.
2: All right. Take care. Awesome.
0: Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Just. In the spirit of sharing, if you like what you've heard, tell a friend about the show and give us a five-star rating and
1: review. Many thanks to DJ p Dog and producer Low Key for producing the music for our show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.